Welcome to the podcast of Corey Turner Ministries. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Turner. For more information, please connect to his website, CoreyTurnerMinistries.com. Thank you so much for that welcome. What an honor to be here. And uh, I've been uh, hearing the journey as Cam has called me over recent months about all that God's doing here. And um, thank you so much for that welcome. It's a great honor to be here. I'm really uh, believing that today would not just be another service that you would hear another word, but that this would be an encounter with God, that this would be something that uh, you hear a word that changes something on the inside of you. And, uh, you know, I think um, I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like uh, to have set up and pack up and... uh, to be reaching out to the local schools and universities, to be uh, in a lounge room full of faith and passion. When we started our church, we had 13 people in a lounge room and no money and lots of passion and uh, lots of vision, but we didn't have a lot of resource and yet God just did an amazing miracle and I know he's going to do the same right here where you are and uh, I just honour uh, Pastors Cameron and Renee, thank you so much for your friendship, for the opportunity to be here. And it's great. I know some familiar faces here. Others of you I don't know. I'd love to uh, just meet you and connect with you after the service. For me, I'm not just coming to preach a word. I want to build a relationship uh, because there are lots of speakers, lots of preachers. Paul said, there are, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers and mothers. And you've got a great spiritual father and mother here in Cam and Renee, and I'm not just saying that because I want a great offering. Uh, I'm saying that because I really genuinely believe that. And to be honest with you, I could be anywhere all over the face of the earth today, but I'm here because I really felt that God wanted me to be here to stand alongside my friends, to come and minister to you because I believe in what God's doing here. And, um, you know, one of the phrases or or quotes that really uh, I was just thinking about in worship is uh, someone once said a definition of the church. The church is the Spirit's public. The church is the Spirit's public. And uh, I think that is a a great definition. You've called yourself public church, a church for everyone, everywhere. And uh, and I think that um, you need to understand that you could be the only Holy Spirit that someone ever encounters. You could be the only Jesus that someone ever encounters comes into an awareness or a relationship with. And so the church is the Spirit's public. And I want, when, when you think about that, I want you to think about what, what are we presenting to the world around us? What are we sharing with the world around us based upon what happens here on a Sunday, what you're doing midweek in your own small groups and ministries, etc., etc. And uh, I, I just pray I want to pray with you, and I want to just ask the Holy Spirit to come and make us even more aware of His presence and what He's doing here, because I just know this is a significant time in the life of the church. Can we pray together? Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing at Public Church. I thank you, Father, for this state of Queensland. Lord, I thank you for the the Gold Coast. I thank you for the leaders and the people that you're gathering to this great house. And Father, I thank you that there are more with us than there are those against us. And I just pray today, God, that you would encourage us, Lord, through your word, that you'd quicken to us, O God, what it is that you want to say. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, there would be a spirit of prophecy in this room, that, God, this uh, simply wouldn't be 
a, a nice sermon, but it would be a word in season. Lord, for this church, for individuals, I thank you, Father, that you're at work. You've been at work long before we got here. Lord, you've got a heart for this region of Queensland. You've got a heart for the city of the Gold Coast. And Father, you've raised this church up for such a time as this. And Father, I just pray, let there be a quickening. Let there be an expectancy. Let there be a faith that rises in our hearts today, God. God, there are so many people all around us that don't know you. Father, I pray that through this church, through the, the, the public witness of this house, Lord, may many, many people come to know you as Lord and Savior, encounter you, be restored and reconciled into right relationship with you in this place. God, we honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. Well, uh, in uh, just praying for you this week, God put Acts chapter 6, verse 7 on my heart for you. And um, <clears throat> I want to invite you to go there with me if uh, you have that on, in your Bible or a smartphone or you've just memorized the entire Bible so you just know exactly what, already what I'm going to say or it's up behind me. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And one verse, and it simply says this, And the Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The Word of God increased, the number of disciples multiplied, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And what God has put upon my heart to speak into your life and the life of the church tonight, today is, is this word of spiritual momentum. I really believe that God uh, is bringing you into a momentum that can only be explained by this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. We don't know how it's all happening. We're doing what we're doing, but God's doing what He's doing. And when you see that and when you're a part of that, you're experiencing spiritual momentum. I don't know if you've seen the movie Unstoppable with Denzel Washington, but any Denzel Washington movie is a good movie. And um, does anyone here watch movies or are we all just super holy? Um, that, that's good. There's still some people who watch movies in the church. And, um, and so Unstoppable is a story about a freight train that's carrying chemicals and has no air brakes. And the engineers unfortunately flicked the switch and basically uh, this freight train uh, just started to move forward and, and move on the track. And then what happens is over time, it builds momentum. It's building so much momentum. Those of you who've seen the film will know that whatever obstacles are placed in the way of that freight train, it just crashes right through. And it just uh, is heading towards a town. It's heading towards a city. And uh, they know that if they don't get to this freight train in time, because the only way to stop the freight train is to get some uh, engineers on there to uh, manually pull the brakes. If they don't get to that freight train in time, as it begins to head to a curve and, and a fork in that track, as it comes into town, it will um, crash and it will cause all the chemicals to go all over the town. Now, if you think about momentum as it applies to a vehicle or a train, it's interesting that a moving train can smash through any obstacle. But if you were to get a train that's, say, 5,500 tons, which is the average weight of a freight train, that is 800 meters in length, and you were to get it stationary and put a simple little block of wood in front of that wheel, 
It doesn't matter what you try to do to get that freight train to work, that train is not moving anywhere. Because it is stationary, it has all the potential, it has all the capacity. But when it's stationary and when there's an obstacle there, as simple as a block of wood, it's not going anywhere. When you think about momentum, the definition of it is the force gained by motion or a series of events. A force gained by motion or a series of events. Now, this doesn't just apply to physics. It applies to the spirit world. You need to understand spiritually that when a church gets momentum, obstacles are overcome far easier. When a church gets momentum, when you get momentum in your spiritual life, obstacles and challenges, opposition that comes against you, all of a sudden, it's sort of like, you know, instead of looking up at Mount Everest, you're on top of Mount Everest looking down. Things that come against you, changes that need to be made in your life. It's easier to move a vehicle that's got momentum than it is to move a vehicle that's stationary. When a church has momentum spiritually, you can win people's hearts and persuade people a lot easier than when there's no momentum. You know, I I was thinking about when I planted a church in 2006, as I said before, we started with 13 people in a lounge room. And uh, we sort of were surviving off the smell of an oily rag. And, and uh, three years later, we uh, had over 400 people in attendance. We had a 2,000 square meter facility. We had uh, 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 kids' church facilities and a cafe and a drop-in center and childcare, 350-seat auditorium. We had all these things happen. In those first three years, we experienced massive momentum. We had about four and a half thousand people, foot traffic every day that would go past our building from the train station to the shopping center. We experienced incredible momentum. Decisions were made. Leaders were added. I think we had something like 11 staff. By the end of that three years, we went from no budget to a million dollar budget. And let me tell you, the same Holy Spirit that was with us in Melbourne all those years ago is the same Holy Spirit that's at public church here on the Gold Coast. You know, I'm preaching in Indonesia, I have been doing for the last five years, and Indonesia, the largest Islamic nation on earth, are experiencing a modern day revival. You won't search this on Wikipedia, but literally 35% of Indonesia are born again believers, attending church, filling stadiums of 100,000 people. And let me tell you, the same Holy Spirit that's in Indonesia is the same Holy Spirit at public church. The church is the Spirit's public. So we had massive momentum in those first three years. And then all of a sudden, over 12 months, through a series of poor decisions on my own behalf, various factors, we, we just plateaued. There was almost like a, a, everything just stopped and halted for 12 months. And as I look back upon that season, even though momentum kicked back in, as I look back upon that season, I realized it was because I got distracted from the core vision and the core mandate that God had put upon our lives for that church at that time. When I began to think about that, I thought, you know what, that's exactly what the early church in the book of Acts experienced. In Acts chapter 2, 
They had massive momentum. There was unity, the Bible says. They're all in one accord. The Bible tells us that they had favor with the community around them. The Bible says there was incredible generosity. People were selling houses and bringing the proceeds of the sale to the pastor's feet and saying, basically, do what you want. Cam and Renee are secretly praying for that. And, 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 and you know, to start a church, to move forward in anything that God puts on your heart, there needs to be sacrificial generosity. There needs to be unity. There needs to be a submitting of your own agenda versus understanding God's agenda for the house. All these things were happening in the book of Acts. But the Bible says that somewhere between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 6, momentum broke. In Acts chapter 6, we discover that the Greek-speaking Jews, the widows, the Hellenists, were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And anyone in this room knows that when you get hangry, right, when Christians don't get their food, problems start. Okay, and what was happening is that the apostles, the leaders of the church, had got distracted from their core mandate and their core calling and hadn't appointed a team for hospitality. And they started to serve the food, but they weren't anointed to serve the food. They were anointed to preach, they were anointed to lead, they were anointed to pray, but they got distracted. And when they got distracted, the momentum of the early church broke. The momentum of the early church stunted. It became stationary. They were that fast-moving freight train, but they weren't going anywhere. It all of a sudden shifted. And the apostles, it tells us, if you read back in Acts chapter 6, you discover that the apostles saw what was happening and said, it is not right that we neglect prayer and the ministry of the Word. We're going to appoint a team to this, people who are far better at this than us, and we're going to focus ourselves. We're going to make sure that everyone in the church plays their role and focuses on what God has called everyone, all the members in the body to do. And when they did that, it's amazing what happened. Verse 7 of chapter 6 happened. The Word of God continued to increase. The disciples multiplied, and even the priests, which I'll unpack a little bit in a moment, became obedient to the faith. You see, if there's anything I've learned about momentum is that when you've got it in the house, God's Word is on the increase. God's Word moves forward. God's Word doesn't just move forward from the pulpit. It moves forward in the small groups. It moves forward online. It moves forward prophetically. It moves forward in our own devotional time. When you are experiencing spiritual momentum, there is an increase of the Word of God in your life. Now, you've got to understand there is a direct correlation between God's Word and momentum. Many, many people think that momentum is created by the pace at which we run at. If we just work hard and if we just uh, run faster, we will build more momentum. But that is a failure to understand how God works. The Bible says in Zechariah 4, it's not by might nor by power. It's not according to your energy or your pace. That is one dimension, but it's a limited dimension. You can only accomplish so much according to your capacity and to your power. But when you understand the correlation of God's Word and your momentum, everything changes in your life. You see, when God creates, He creates by the spoken Word. This church is here. There is already momentum. This church is here because of a word that was spoken into your leaders' hearts. 
Well, if God wants to start anything in your life, it's He speaks it first. He He declares it first. He 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 prophesies it over you or into your spirit, because the Bible tells us in Genesis one three. God said, let there be light, and there was light. In other words, God didn't take matter. He just spoke a word, and there was light. This is the ABCs of the kingdom of God. Now, if you are going to experience more momentum in your spiritual life and in the life of the house, don't increase your pace. What you've got to get is a word from God. What you're going to run to is the heart of God, receive a word from God, and all of a sudden, you'll see a shift of momentum in your life. If I look back upon my life of, of being in ministry now nearly 20 years and uh, having a family and three kids and, and being married for nearly 20 years, let me tell you, every shift of momentum in my life came about because I received a word from heaven. I used to be in the police force back 99, 2000. I was a police officer. I was doing a Jonah running away from God. What was it that got my attention? It was a word from God. When I was thinking about planting a church, I had an offer to lead a, a church at 26 years of age of two and a half thousand people. But God spoke to me as I'm driving down the road one day about that offer and about planting a church. And I started with 13 people in a lounge room and no money when I had job security and property and all these things. Why? Because I got a word from God. Back in 2012, I started to pray, God, I want to be a kite in your hurricane. And God said to me after two weeks of praying that, you have no idea what you are praying. It's like, you know, that's a dangerous prayer. And I said, God, I know, but it's on my heart. I want to be, blow me wherever you want to blow. I want to be a kite in your hurricane. Well, then God said, this is your last year at your church. I've been leading the church for seven years. I'm sending you to the body. And for the last five years, I've literally every weekend been traveling uh, almost every weekend around the world somewhere speaking. How did that happen? It, it happened because of a word from God. Stop just running faster and run to God and get a word from God because the word, it's not how fast you run, it's how obedient you are to the word that God gives you. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.11, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. It's not how fast you run, it's the message you carry. And my concern is, is that in the modern day church, we have lots of people, lots of leaders, lots of preachers, lots of churches even, who are well-intended, but they're running fast, but not necessarily carrying a potent message. It's not church about just starting something new or occupying a big facility, it's what message are you carrying for a lost generation? What, revel what revelation in you, what, it, what word is in you that you are carrying? Because when you connect to the Word of God for your life, for your business, for your family, for your ministry in your church, all of a sudden, momentum begins to pick up. Just like that freight train heading towards that city, momentum will shift in your life. You see, when you've got spiritual momentum, disciples aren't just added, they're multiplied. And the sense that I have is even over these months, God, you, you've been in a season of addition. And that's good. God's been adding to you. But how many of us know that we, we serve a God of multiplication? 
where he says, you know, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. In other words, when you partner together in unity, there should be a multiplication. When a church has momentum, disciples aren't just added, they're multiplied. This is what was happening in the Acts 6 church when they got momentum. The Bible says the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Now, think about it. Written into the DNA of creation is this idea in Genesis 1 of being fruitful and multiplying. God said to the animals, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Every living organism has in seed form the power to be fruitful and multiply. You know, I was fascinated when I heard about archaeologists discovering Pharaoh's tomb. They found seeds in Pharaoh's tomb that were 4,000, dated 4,000 years old. Well, they decided that they'd experiment with those seeds. They got those seeds, they planted them in the ground, they watered those seeds, and guess what happened? The seeds sprouted and produced life. Because every living organism, every seed of creation has the power to be fruitful and multiply. As the natural goes, so the supernatural. The DNA of your spirit has, has the capacity, has the power in it to be fruitful and multiply. God has cre- designed creation and your spiritual creation, your spiritual DNA, to work with you, not against you. Some of us go through tough seasons and we go through breakdowns in relationship and we go through seasons where we don't see work come and, and we go through seasons where, you know, uh, disappointments happen, sickness in our body, all these sorts of things. And we think, you know, is, is the world against me? Is creation against me? Is God against me? No, God has designed. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you've got to understand Jesus Christ has come to redeem, reconcile and restore everything that was lost according to the fall of Genesis 3. If you are a believer in Jesus, then you've got to understand what was meant to hurt you, what was meant for evil now works in your favor now works for your good. God has designed creation to work with you, not against you. So if creation, if we're not seeing fruitfulness and multiplication, we've got to ask ourselves, what's the blockage here? What's happening? What is going on? God calls for fruitfulness from our lives. And when the cycle of life, and and, and when there isn't fruitfulness, the cycle of life isn't complete. Think about when Jesus in the Gospels went to uh, the fig tree. He went to the cafe for a mid-afternoon snack called the fig tree. And he goes to the fig tree and what does he discover? The cafe is closed. There ain't no figs. There's no fruit on that fig tree. Do you remember what happens? Some of you would know what happens. He, He gets upset at the fig tree. He curses the fig tree and And the Bible tells us that immediately the fig tree perished to its roots. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that in the Gospels, I think, Jesus, why so harsh? Even Jesus gets hangry, right? Why so harsh, Jesus? I mean, the fig tree is just hanging out, doing what fig trees do. It may not even be in season. It may not even be in leaf. And you're getting upset at it because it doesn't have figs. And, and I began to ask questions of the text. When you read the Bible and you encounter things that maybe you don't understand, ask questions of the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit, what's happening here? The reason Jesus gets upset at the fig tree 
is because the fig tree is violating a rule of creation. It was receiving life, but it wasn't passing it on. It was sucking up nutrients. It was sucking up oxygen. It was receiving life, but it wasn't passing it on. If you want a key to avoiding spiritual barrenness as a church, as an individual, it's keep passing on what God has already given to you. Keep passing it on. If God's given you resource, pass it on. If God's given you talent, pass it on. If God's given you a heart to encourage people, pass it on. How did I learn how to prophesy and begin to move in the spirit of prophecy? I began with encouragement. And I learned how to encourage people. And then I prayed into that encouragement and became more specific and became more clear and identifiable. If you want to grow in something, you've got to begin to pass on whatever God has given to you. And so if you've received the gift of eternal life, guess what? Jesus is calling you to pass it on. If you're a disciple of Jesus, the best way to honor that gift that you've been given is to make more disciples of Jesus. This is what I've discovered. If you're not a disciple of Jesus and you're just a part of the crowd or just attending, that's cool and okay for now. But if you're not a disciple of Jesus, we can't expect you to make disciples of Jesus. A crowd reproduces a crowd, but only a disciple reproduces a disciple. And how many of us know there is a difference between a crowd in a church and a disciple? When I read Jesus in the Gospels, what do I read? I read, the crowd came and went based upon what Jesus did. When he turned the loaves uh, and, and the fishes and multiplied them to feed the masses, the crowd loved it. In fact, they loved it so much that they said, Jesus, we want you to be our king. We're going to make you king. But the moment Jesus preached his Dracula message, you know Jesus' Dracula message? Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. The moment he preached the Dracula message, everyone was like, you know what? I'm out of here. Who was it that stayed? The disciples. Because the crowd loves Jesus to save them from their problems and to save them from their troubles. But only a disciple follows Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because Lordship implies, I've got to change something about my life. Lordship implies, you mean, Jesus, you don't like that attitude in me? You don't like that fruitlessness in me? You mean I've got to do something with what you've given to me? You bet. And I believe that one of the critical shifts that are coming into the life of this church, it's awesome that you're here. It's amazing that we're here together. But God has not called us to be here to simply be another crowd. He's called us to be a kingdom of priests and kings. He's called us to be disciples that follow Him because only discipleship builds a house. Only discipleship builds the church. Will the crowd come? Yes, but you can't build with the crowd. You can only build with the committed core. You can only build with the disciples. And I want to encourage you to not just become a disciple of the house, become a disciple of Jesus. Don't just become a disciple of a pattern or a principle or a value system of the church. Become a disciple of Jesus. Because if you work through the discipleship issue in your own personal life, whatever discipleship is required in the house will just take care of itself. It's a non-issue. When you've resolved, who am I following, Jesus or myself? 
You know, when we launched Activate Church on the first day, 320 people turned up the first day. And I remember my team was like, oh, we're, you know, this is the promised land. This is amazing. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. 320 people are the crowd. Let's see who's here after a month. Well, you know how many were there after a month? 60 were there after a month. Because all of those people were there just to go, oh, well done. This is amazing. This is fantastic. And then when we hit 60, it was like, if we keep heading this way, we might not have a church in another month. But, but what we realized was that it bottomed out at 60. We went, these are the disciples. These are the ones that are here for the journey and the distance. And I want to encourage you, God has not called public church just to simply be another church on the Gold Coast to attract a crowd. Crowds will come. But he has called this church to restore truth to the body of Christ. He's called this church to be a house of disciples of Jesus. And he's called you to build disciples, make disciples. When you begin to walk in momentum, watch. You won't just attract a crowd. You'll see there's a disciple. There's a leader. There's a man and a woman of God. There's a worship leader. There's someone who's in business, building their business for the kingdom of God. This is what God is wanting to build in this house. When you've got spiritual momentum, not only will God's word increase, will disciples be added and multiplied, but when you've got momentum, those who oppose you won't be able to resist you. Those who oppose you won't be able to resist you. The Bible says, and very interesting in verse 6, it says, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith, I'm like, yeah, well, that should be happening. That's a given. But what, if you understand the context of Acts chapter 6, you discover that the priests were the core of the church's opposition. In fact, the very people who should have been supporting the forward momentum of the church were the people who were opposing it. Don't be surprised if there are sometimes some believers, some leaders, some churches who may be envious, jealous, or oppose, or resist you, often the, the, the resistance that has often come in my life has not come from Satan. It's often come from other believers. Now, you might not say amen on that one, but, but let me tell you, sometimes the resistance that we get most is from other churches, other believers, when we're all on the same team, and we're all supposed to be unified, and we're all worshiping the same Savior, and we're all heading towards the same goal. And what we're going to make sure is that we aren't those who are opposing and resisting some other move of God that is happening down the road or in the next suburb or, or, or what God wants to do in this region in years to come, but that we have a heart that says together we are building the kingdom of God. You know, um, when, when we planted, um, we had a, a church that got quite upset about the fact that we'd moved 15 kilometers too close to them. True story. And I remember they sent elders to us and we're a church of 13 people in a lounge room. But apparently they were upset about that and they threatened legal action and serious. And I remember I had a 
conservative church pastor in our suburb, in our region. He met me in the cafe, wanted to meet with me, and he exploded over latte. You're not supposed to explode over latte. You're supposed to be calm and peaceful and nice. But he just lost the plot over latte. And he was like, what is another Pentecostal church doing in this suburb? We don't need another Pentecostal church. And, and uh, that was a very interesting conversation. And, uh, and then I remember when we, in that first year, I had a businessman come to me with like an essay, even with a bibliography as to all the wrong things we were doing in the church. And, and he sat down and, and I listened and tried best to answer my questions. And, and as all these things were happening, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, son, don't fight this battle. I will fight this battle for you. We were trying to honor God, do everything by the book, do everything right by other pastors in the area. But bit by bit, I saw that my enemies, my adversaries became my biggest supporters because I let God fight the battles. I didn't try and defend myself. In fact, at the end of that meeting with that businessman, that man said to me, his heart was so won over. He did a 180 that he said, look, I have a holiday house. Anytime you want to use this holiday house, you let me know, go right ahead. Man, for 12 years, I've milked that holiday house, right? And it's just a testimony that even those who oppose you won't be able to resist you. Don't get upset. Don't get mad. Just say, God, the battle is the Lord's. I'm going to love them. I'm going to be kind to them. I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to believe that God is going to make even the priests that were in Jerusalem became obedient to the faith. They got on board with the purpose of God for their life. You know, when resistance comes against us, when opposition comes against us, uh, we sort of feel like we're going backwards. I don't know if you've ever had the feeling like, where am I heading? Where am I going? Is my, is my life heading anywhere? And when we face resistance, what we feel is almost like th- that we're going backwards. And I remember in a season of my life, talking to God about this, and God showed me a picture of an archer with a bow and an arrow. And uh, and, and God said to me, son, I'm the archer. And he said, the bow is the circumstance of resistance and opposition. But he said, unless there is resistance on the arrow, you are the arrow, son. Unless there's resistance on the arrow, that arrow cannot catapult forward. He said, I- I'm not cutting you back I'm allowing resistance to come because unless resistance comes, you will not have the strength to be able to propel forward into the purpose and the destiny that I have for you. And I want to tell you, the next time opposition and resistance comes against you, don't complain, don't get upset, don't go to the phone when you should be going to the throne, don't gossip to, to, you know, the pastor about such and such and this and that. Just say, God, I thank you that this cutback is not a setback. You are setting me up for a comeback in Jesus' name. You are going to catapult me forward into what you have for me. You will not fulfill the purpose and destiny of God without some resistance. We all need some opposition. We all need some resistance. But it's as you encounter that, that your faith grows stronger. Your faith grows greater to be able to accomplish what God has called you to. Do not be afraid, 2 Chronicles 20 says, do not be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And this is one of the things I've learned about momentum. Momentum belongs to those who are just consistent no matter what resistance is coming against them. 
And if there's anything I know about your leaders and about these early days of the church is that if you would just adopt a posture of consistency, I'm telling you, there is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. What the enemy is meant for evil, God will turn into good. I would encourage you to break the quitting epidemic that we have in our culture. We have a pandemic of quitting. People quit marriages, people quit jobs, people quit ministries, people quit churches, people quit studies, careers, callings, all sorts of things. If you're sick of starting over, just stop quitting. It's a real simple, if you never want to start again, just stop quitting and just say, we are adopting a posture of consistency according to the word of the Lord upon our life. And no matter what happens, what resistance comes against us, when tithes are coming in and the offerings going out, we will be consistent. When, when they're being added and multiplied and when some are leaving, we will be consistent. Let me tell you, the greatest churches I've ever ministered in are not the churches have had the overnight success. They're just the churches who modeled a consistency. In the face of resistance, in the face of all sorts of paradoxes and contradictions. I love what Job 17.9 says. It says, the righteous keep moving forward. The righteous keep moving forward. And as I was praying for you, I just felt like the Lord was saying, you know, this church, public church, is going to be marked by consistent momentum. Public church is going to be marked by consistent momentum in each season of your your life as a church, in each year of your life, you're going to experience a consistent momentum. And in fact, I really felt like 2018 was a year of radical momentum for the house. I feel like you're in the, the calm before the, the, the surge forward. That 2018 was a year of momentum that God, that you are building up to, that as you move into the new year, you're going to be look around and go, what just happened? And it's like the purposes of God for you are multiplying as you transition from this year into 2018. In fact, I felt like the Holy Spirit say, no one can stop public church except public church. Three of you are excited about that. No one can stop public church. The devil can't stop you. Another church can't stop you. The, the, the local council can't stop you. A lack of money can't stop you. A lack of people can't stop. Nothing can stop you except you. Serious. And do you know what the enemy targets when he wants to try and, 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 and oppose a work of God in a church? He targets the core team. And I just felt like the Lord was coming to me to say to you, guard your hearts as a church. Because guess what? Right now, we're all the core team. (laughs) You're on this journey. You're four months in. We're all the core team. You may not have a title or a role or be on, on the official team, but you're a part of the church team. Guard your hearts. Let's speak well of each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's honor what God is doing. Let, let, avoid the comparison trap. Because this is what I've learned. In the first five years of a church, a church often goes through lots of changes and the family's growing. And, and sometimes we expect a church to do uh, 
at the beginning, what a church can only do when it's five, ten years old. Don't expect public church to be something that God just needs it to allow to go through the process of time. You know the picture, the prophetic picture in worship God showed me was of a beautiful big breed of a dog that was a puppy. We, we got a German shepherd two and a half years ago, right? Now, I said to my wife, for years I resisted the temptation of the devil to go buy a dog. This is a true story. And my, my, apparently God listens to the prayers of my wife and kids more than mine. And so my wife and kids harassed me. I mean, just the onslaught of intercession, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And they just said, hey, dad, hey, honey. We need a dog. This went on for 10 years. And finally, I, I caved in. I just gave in. I said, okay, go get a dog. Get something appropriate. Not too big, not too small. Just go get a dog. Well, the next thing I hear, I'm overseas preaching, and a text comes through with the picture of a German shepherd, right? And uh, this, this German shepherd is like a distant relative of Tyrannosaurus Rex. I mean, it, it is just giant, right? And now it's two, two years old, two and a half years old, and it is huge. I mean, our backyard looks like, you know, Gallipoli. There's just craters everywhere, and, and there's carnage and collateral and fence palings pulled off, and, and you know, just the whole community's been terrorized by this dog. But, but, but this dog... While when it was a little puppy, it, it, it was it had in its DNA the breed of it was that it was going to be one of the wisest, sharpest animals that you'd ever encounter, a loyal animal. It had strength in it, but right at the beginning, there when it's flipping and flopping around and trying to find its way, and it, it, it was a puppy, but now to look at it, it's like it's becoming an adult. And I want to tell you today, in the DNA of this house is incredible capacity, incredible strength, incredible impact, incredible anointing. But it's going to take some time for that to all work itself out. I want to encourage you, just sign up for the journey. Just sign up for the journey. Because the hand of God is upon this house. The hand of God is upon your leaders. The hand of God is upon them. The Word of God uh, it, it is upon you that you are going to step into incredible spiritual momentum. Year upon year, season upon season. And I want to encourage you, never draw a conclusion about the seasons of your journey based upon one season of your life. You know, unfortunately, sometimes as believers, we we walk away or we we draw a conclusion about our whole destiny, our whole calling, our whole purpose based upon one season. And God's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm a God of seasons. It requires winter, spring, summer, and autumn to have harvest. And God says, I'm building into the life of this church season upon season upon, and in the seasons, you'll see harvest. In the seasons, you'll see harvest. I just want to invite you to stand to your feet tonight, to this afternoon. And I'd love to pray with you. And particularly, I, I just feel to invite anyone today who has felt like there has been a, a, a stagnant sort of 
a stationary, a stagnant thing happening in their own spiritual life, in their own walk with God. So I actually want to invite you just to, to come with me out the front and just stand or just raise your hand and just say, God, um, my spiritual life, it just seems, could be dry, could be not moving anywhere. You know, a river's supposed to run. When a river stops running, the water starts to smell, it starts to get dirty, germs are attracted and drawn to it. But when a river runs, not only does it get to its intended destination, but there's a health to it. And sometimes the rivers of living water that are inside of us, it gets stationary, it gets stagnant, it gets yuck, all sorts of sins and things that get drawn to that stagnant waters in our spirit. And I just feel that tonight God says, no, I want my rivers of living water to flow through you. I want my rivers of living water to come through your life. And I just believe tonight, let, let's break something open in the spirit realm over our lives. Let's not just go through the motions of church and wonder what are people going to think and, and how is this all going to work. I just want to invite you, get some momentum happening, literally, physically, break out of the posture of where you are and just come and bring that thing that doesn't seem to move. In your, in your work, in your relationships, in your money, in your finances, in your ministry, and say, God, I'm bringing this to you tonight. I'm bringing this, this thing that's in a rut in my life, this issue that's in my life. Because if God intends momentum for the church, He intends it for you as an individual. If you're planted in the house, you can expect that gift, that anointing of momentum to come over your life, to wash over you. And I believe that as you've, you've come and you've said, you know what, this is our home. This is where we're planted. This is our future. God says, will you get to imbibe and receive of whatever grace is on this house? And so I want to encourage you tonight as we sing and as we worship, have courage to step out, shift your posture and just come and say, God, would you fill me again? Would you speak to me again? Would you encourage me again? Would you get that rivers of living water in me to flow again in my life? And watch what God does. Watch what God begins to break open. So you come as we sing and as we worship together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Pastor Corey's books and speaking itinerary, please connect to his ministry website on coreyturnerministries.com.